I would like to welcome everybody to this week's episode of the House of Bricks podcast. And as you know, we're teaching people to use life's experiences for them instead of carrying them with them and letting them weigh them down. And our podcast has featured some incredible guests with amazing life stories, challenges that they have faced, and how they overcame them to achieve their dreams and goals. In this week's episode, I'm not only your host, but I'm also the guest. And many of you have reached out to me to hear more about my personal story. And I designed the podcast this way intentionally, which was to feature other guests and other people's stories because the House of Bricks podcast is not an Adam House memoir. In fact, I definitely don't want to be the guy at my 25-year reunion wearing my varsity jacket with the state championship pin of what I accomplished years ago. But the House of Bricks is a movement which is using my story and other people's stories to help give you the blueprints to write your story. And I'm going to share with you authentically and transparently my journey in business and life. A lot of us are walking around carrying bricks and it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad experience. It could be a dream that you haven't pursued or a passion that you haven't fulfilled. And today I wanna encourage you to take action because dreams without action are just dreams. And as you can see here, I actually have a physical brick and I've kept this in my office since 2008. And on it, it says it is time to arise and build. My encouragement to you today is to wake up, wake up those dreams, wake up those visions, take action, start taking those bricks that you're carrying with you and laying them down to build a strong foundation using the blueprints to build the house of which you are the only architect. So I encourage you today, wake up, arise, lay down those bricks and start to build your strong foundation. One of the most important things in life is to recognize which season you are in and what are the tools that you're going to need to be successful in that season. Over my career, I've had a lot of mountaintops, but at the top of every mountain is another valley. And a lot of us, when we achieve success, we wanna run into that next climb, oh, what's my next mountain? Some of the most progress that I've ever had in my life actually is not when I'm climbing a mountain, but it's in the valley experience. Because as an entrepreneur, when you're climbing the mountain, you're so focused on the task at hand, there's a lot of things that you're neglecting in yourself, in your relationships. And when you reach that mountaintop, you have a lot of time. The top of the mountain can be a very, very lonely place. And when you reach that point in life, it's a great time to reflect in who you are and what you need to make progress. So if you've achieved success, recognize that you're going to go through a valley experience. And when you're in that valley, it's a different season. You need different tools. And the longer that you're in the valley, it's a great time to get the resources that you need and the self-development that you need to climb that next mountain because oftentimes it's a greater mountain, a greater achievement, but do not rush the process. We're all about movement and making progress 
and not living off of yesterday's success. And so you think about some of the amazing guests that we have had, they have faced some incredible challenges from being homeless to winning Super Bowls to winning NBA championships. And one thing I wanna make clear is that all of the experiences we go through in life, they're real to us. So if you see someone that is in a worse situation than you are, of course, you're going to feel empathy towards them and have that feeling of how come I'm not happy in life? Look at their situation. But all of our problems that we face in life, they're real to us. And we have to develop the tools and develop the mindset of how to use those experiences for us instead of carrying them with us. And I've been an entrepreneur for over 25 years, having started five businesses in five different industries and my first company. So I dropped out of college after my freshman year and started out of my apartment. It was a direct marketing company. We were selling leads to mortgage companies. At that time, I was probably too ignorant and too dumb to realize that it's a bad idea to start a business with $200. The success rate is probably 99.9% .9 guaranteed failure, but I believed in the opportunity, believed in what I was doing, and that business grew from a couple hundred dollar business out of my apartment to a multi-million dollar company that I sold back in 2007. After Direct Marketing Associates, I started a company called Velocitude, which we optimized websites to work on mobile devices. So if you think back to 2010, you'd go out and spend $800 on an iPhone and the websites were designed for a desktop size screen. So we develop a technology to optimize websites to work on iPhones, iPads, Blackberries. And that company was 18 months idea to exit. We sold it to Akamai Technologies. After I started Velocitude, I had a midlife crisis at the age of 32 and do what most six foot white guys want to do their entire life, which is play professional basketball. So I trained for six months, ended up getting invited to a combine in Dayton, Ohio. There were 36, I call them kids. I was 32. They were 21, 22 at the time coming out of mid-major D1 schools. Some had played overseas. And for whatever reason, the coach saw something in me that he liked. He invited me to camp to play for the Rochester Razor Sharks and ended up making the team. And one day after practice, the owner of the team calls me and he says, Adam, what are you doing with the rest of the day? You're 32 years old. You have this business background. What are you doing with your time? Why don't you come in, help me run the team? I'll make you CEO, make you co-owner. At that time, I fulfilled a lifelong dream of playing professional basketball and was also co-owner and CEO of the team. We ended up landing deals with Nike and some other major sponsorships. After the Rochester Razor Sharks, I moved back to South Florida, went out to lunch with a former board member of my company, Velocitude, and met Dr. Schimmel, physician. He had started a claims business that he had exited. And he literally drew on a napkin and said, Adam, I want to build a healthcare analytics company that does this, this, and this, looks at peer-to-peer -peer comparison, looking for how to reduce healthcare costs. And after he shared that with me at lunch, shook hands, 
we became 50-50 partners. And now that company is publicly traded on the NASDAQ. After Qualmetrics, I moved back up to the Detroit area, went back to work for Dan Gilbert at Rocket Mortgage. I was executive vice president, ran a team of close to 200 direct and indirect reports. After Rocket Mortgage, joined Sales Transformation Group, grew that from a five team member company to over 20 employees. We raised $2 million in capital, built a recurring revenue model, formed an advisory board. And now I am fulfilling and doing what I feel I was created to do, which is to coach and inspire entrepreneurs, business leaders, CEOs, and professional athletes of how to use life's experiences for them and to build scalable, repeatable businesses, positioning themselves for multi-million dollar exits. To talk to you a little bit about me personally, so I grew up in a lower middle class family. I love to say I'm one generation removed from the trailer park. So it's just to show you no matter where you are in life or how you were brought up, there's always opportunity out there for you to pursue. And with the right mindset, life is a game. All you have to do is enter the race. And as long as you keep running, you have a chance to win that race. That was my mindset growing up. I had a mom that always believed in me. I've done things like going to, everyone's seen the, the basketball highlights, but I have some photos of me kind of in between while I was figuring life out, which was things like going to space camp uh, when I was in seventh grade. And I may even share a picture of that. I got cut from the basketball team when I was in seventh grade and I was a whopping 95 pounds and I decided to join the wrestling team. So I've tried a lot of things in life and I found my lane in business and in basketball. I've talked about my business success from a personal standpoint. I was what you would call a late bloomer. My grandpa was one of those people that always spoke life into me and said, keep your eye on Adam. He's a sleeper. And it was very challenging growing up because my brother was two years older. Everything came natural to him. Any sport he played, whether it was golf, basketball, football, baseball, he had to put in very little effort and had a lot of success. And me trying to keep up with him, of course, that was disappointing and challenging at the time, but it created a work ethic in me and a desire to be great that's rewarded me for the rest of my life. I remember in middle school, we've all gone through different challenges in life and we talk about life's experiences being like bricks. One of the heaviest bricks that I was handed was when my parents got a divorce. So I remember like it was yesterday, my mom went away for the weekend. She said to my dad, hey, Jerry, if you're gonna leave me and your two sons, you're gonna tell him yourself. So she was gone for the weekend. She calls him on a Sunday and she says, Jerry, have you told your two boys yet? I was at the age of 10, my brother was 12. She said, hey, have you told the boys yet? He said, no, but I'll go tell them now. And my brother and I, we were playing in the basement, remembering it again, like it was yesterday. My dad came to the top of the stairs and he said, Adam and Ryan, it's not working out. Between mom and I, I'm leaving the family. And we sprinted up the stairs grabbed onto his leg. I think we were dragged out into the driveway, hanging onto his suitcase and leg. 
And he just said, I got to go. No judgment towards my dad, but that definitely put a brick in me, put a brick in my brother of one that we really had to carry and have dealt with for a long, long time. And when you think about what people go through, so we've had some guests that have shared some really traumatic stories that they've gone through. And I certainly don't look at my life and say, I've had the most traumatic life. There's people that have had much worse situations than me growing up, but I do feel that I am called and the House of Bricks platform is a place where people can share their experiences because whatever you go through in life is real to you. So when you look at someone else's life, you may feel even guilty. Why am I down? Why am I carrying these bricks with me? Well, your situation is real to you. And so I want to encourage you today to look at your life, look at those experiences, look at the bricks that you're carrying and how can you take those and use them to build a strong foundation. After my parents got a divorce, it was a very challenging time for me. As for any son to lose a father or a daughter to lose a father, your parents are there to raise you and to be together and you go through that experience. That situation filled me with a ton of anger, a ton of unforgiveness. I think from seventh grade to 10th grade, I was in four or five different schools getting kicked out for fighting and disobedience. I was rather unruly, but I was very fortunate because my mom remarried my stepdad, Mike Critch, who was a complete opposite of my dad. He was a parole officer and a counselor and an attorney. I remember even when I would get in trouble, he was so patient. I would look at him and just say, just yell at me, dad, like just yell at me. I wanted him to get frustrated because that was the environment I grew up in, but he always believed in me. And he talked to my mom and said, Adam needs discipline. And they sent me to Brother Rice High School, all boys Catholic school, which their core values were respect, integrity, character, and excellence. The environment that they created was one of that excellence. It was popular to do well in school. It was popular to be a good human being. It was popular to do well in sports. When I got in that environment, I really thrived and it changed my life. I started to do well in school, do well in sports. That really even set me up for success in business. When I was 21 years old, I met my best friend, someone that was specifically, I believe, designed by God to go on the next 25-year journey of my life, which was Vanessa House. Vanessa and I have been married for 20 years. We've been together for 23 years, and this isn't one of those, hey, I got to make sure I get my wife into the podcast, but we all talk about the success of an entrepreneur We look at our LinkedIn profiles. He started this company on this date and sold this company on this date. But what most people don't realize is what have you done with the dash? That's where the real life happens. When you look at a tombstone born on this date, died on this date. Well, what did you do with the dash? And it was that in between of all of these companies. So the sleepless nights, the anxiety, the sneaking my laptop into bed, waiting for her to fall asleep, 
rolling over under the covers and I'm sending emails, like all of those things, I was giving the best of myself during the day. And then she had to deal with the collateral damage of what I was doing to myself and all the things that come with building and scaling companies. And there's nothing wrong with leaning into a certain area of life. You just have to recognize what season you're in. So am I building a business? I'm leaning into my business. Well, other areas are going to suffer. You're going to suffer personally. Your family's going to suffer. But it's that communication and really finding the right partner. So it's not even who you're married to, but it's the people around you, your friendships, like all of those things. The more you lean into your family, your business may suffer. So it's just an awareness of what season am I in and what collateral damage can that cause to either me personally or to the people that you love the most around you. And I look at my life, every ounce of sleepless nights, every ounce of anxiety, every ounce of fear was worth it because I have now a beautiful family. I've have four sons. All of that was worth everything. But I tell you today that there were days that I didn't think I was going to make it. I remember specifically after I sold my first company, I was in Miami Beach in the continuum. It was kind of the who's who of South Beach in Miami. My neighbors were Pharrell and Jimmy Buffett, and I had courtside seats to the Miami Heat. My wife was just about to give birth to our son, Adam Jr., and I walked into that condo overlooking Key Biscayne and Fisher Island, and it was a moment in time when I said to God, like, if this is all that you have for me, I don't want to live anymore. And it wasn't like I was about to jump off the balcony, but I had realized all of the sacrifice, the damage to myself personally, to build that business, to achieve, to prove that I was more than enough. I had just decided that it wasn't worth it. And so I remember saying to Vanessa, I'm, I'm in a bad place. I, I need you to take the dog. We had a dog at the time and go away for three days. I'm an extremist. So I said, I am going to go out on the balcony for three days. I am going to wrestle with God until he tells me why I am here on this earth. So I was new to living in Miami. And if you've ever been to Miami in the summer, you know, it rains every day at three o'clock. So I started whatever day of the week it was in the morning. I was like, all right, I got this. I had my journal. It was an iPod at the time, listening to music, just waiting for God to really give me that purpose. And about three o'clock comes the Miami afternoon shower. So if you ever seen the movie Waterworld, well, I was like Kevin Costner out on a yoga mat and it was just you know pouring rain. Once I make a commitment, I keep a commitment. So no matter how much it rained, lightning, thunder, wind. I was out on that balcony and I was going to stay for three days. And about a day and a half in, all I heard was, Adam, you hate your father. And it was one of those moments. It wasn't like God appeared in a cloud or a burning bush, but it was just a feeling inside of me. It was a brick that I was carrying of unforgiveness and resentment and hatred towards my dad. And it was killing me 
on the inside. And I hadn't talked to my dad since high school. So I picked up the phone, called my dad and said, dad, I release you of any any unforgiveness, any expectation. We started to work on repairing our relationship. One thing I didn't know about my dad was that he had remarried and the person that he remarried was bipolar who decided not to tell him uh, until after they were married. And she ended up getting arrested. And when she was arrested, she was telling the guards, hey, I'm bipolar, I need my medicine. And they're like, yeah, you're drunk, just go back to your cell. Well, if you can picture one of those jails, right, that has four stories, she ends up climbing on the top of the rail of the fourth story, dives head first off of the railing, ends up getting paralyzed from the neck down. So she was in a coma for six months. She comes out of the coma. My dad says to her, you're paralyzed from the neck down. Do you want to live? Her response was, if you stay with me, I'll live. A great story. My dad ended up staying with her for seven years. That leads me to my next story, which I talked to you about my company, Velocitude. I was in New York City. We were presenting to the USGA, the United States Golf Association, about doing mobile scoring on their website. Excellent meeting, great opportunity. I walk out of that meeting and I have a voicemail from my dad's nurse that helps take care of his wife. And she says, hey, your dad fell. Give me a call. So I didn't think anything of it. I was assuming he was drinking and fell and went on to my next meeting, get out of that meeting, get another voicemail. Adam, you need to call me because your dad fell. You, you got to call me now. So step out of the meeting, make the phone call. And she says, hey, Adam, your dad was going out to the van to get his wife's wheelchair and he dropped out of a heart attack in the driveway. At that time, I was really just so callous towards him. I said, all right, thanks for the call. End up going into lunch, sit down with my president, Bill Joel, uh, CTO Martin Flack, and one of our sales guys. And just, they were like, who was on the phone? I said, oh, my dad just passed away. What are you guys eating for lunch? And they're just kind of looking at me like, Adam, you're, your dad just passed away, but as you can tell, I've softened a little. Look at all these smiles. Uh, you've seen me smile and smile more uh, throughout building the house of bricks, but I wasn't the easiest person to say anything to. So they just kind of ate lunch with me. We went on, ended up closing two more deals, did a presentation. And I remember we were in Times Square and Bill, who I mentioned before, he's not only been working with me now for 13 years, but one of my best friends in life. He's been faithful in everything I've done, just been a consistent steady in my life through all of these ventures since Velocitude. And he looks at me, and he, he says, Adam, your dad just passed away. You need to go home to Detroit. And I was kind of out of sorts. And I said, all right, I'll call American Express and get a ticket to Detroit. I think they had a flight flying out of Newark. I said, Bill, he's a world traveler. I think he's lived on all seven continents, probably even the moon as much as he's traveled. But 
I said, can I get to Newark by seven o'clock? And we look outside into Times Square. So imagine 4.30, five o'clock rush hour, yellow cabs everywhere. Like there is no way I can make it to the train station by five o'clock and get to Newark by seven. And I look over and I see this rickshaw. So I walk over the rickshaw and I tell him, if you can get me to the train station within 20 minutes, I will give you a hundred dollars. And it was just one of those moments you will never forget. So imagine I'm on a rickshaw looking at this guy's sweaty back, just cranking through New York City, weaving in and out of taxis. I got my suitcase next to me. I'm looking at, you know, at all these buildings and I'm like, God, what am I doing? What is going on? We ended up making it to the train station. And of course I get to the train station and there is a mile long line. And I'm like, how am I going to get through this line get on the train and get to Newark by seven o'clock. So being the creative entrepreneur that I am, I run to the front of the line and I say, hey, my dad just died. I, I, I got to get to Detroit and classic New York behavior. The guy turns around and said, yeah, my dad just effing died too. I'm getting the next ticket. So I kept asking person to person to person. Finally, a guy lets me in end up making the train, made my flight home and was able to respectfully and honorably bury my father in his hometown. A lot of respect for him. So as, as a parent now, you realize that parents are just kids that grew up and had kids. They don't come with a manual. And my dad was fighting his own demons. And so I've just gone through a process of releasing him of any judgment, any expectation. It really not only changed my life and created a lot of freedom, but also I've seen that impact in my own kid's life. Now that I have four sons, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've flown off the handle. So there's just things that if we don't face and we don't process, they're going to be passed down to the next generation. And part of my goal as a father, as a husband, is to live generationally. So anything that's holding me down, any demons that I have to face, I'm hitting them head on. And we're all about action at the House of Bricks. So I can even tell right now, some of the people listening to this episode, there is a phone call that you need to make. There's a text message that you need to send because unforgiveness is like drinking poison and wanting the other person to die from it. So it's not going to kill them. It's going to kill you. That is really our message. Taking those bricks of bad experiences, taking bricks of unforgiveness, taking bricks of regret, and you process them. And then as you lay them down, you build that strong foundation. And that foundation is going to be strong for you to build the house with the blueprints that you're not only going to learn from us, but you learn in life to build the house that only you can build. Our story is like a house and we all have our own design, just like everyone has a unique fingerprint. We all have a unique story to tell. I've talked a lot about my business. 
and my faith. And I want to talk to you today about my family. And so very blessed to have my wife, Vanessa House. We've been married for 20 years to tell you about the story when we met. So I remember her dad actually sold me my car and she had come into the dealership. He had him and I got along great. She calls him and says, oh, this is a guy you need to meet. She ends up coming into the dealership. We see each other, but don't exchange phone numbers. She was modeling in Europe at the time. I purchased the car about four months later, ended up seeing her out at night and I'm walking by and she's like, wait a minute, you're that guy. And I didn't remember seeing her in the dealership, but I was like, yeah, I'm that guy. <laughs> and she ended up giving me her phone number. This was a Thursday night. Of course, I ended up losing it that night. This is, I think, before you entered phone numbers into cell phones. I think it was written on a napkin. Lost it. That Sunday, I was driving home and I said, man, I got to go. I got to get that girl's phone number. So I call her dad. So typical Italian father. I call him up, totally just shooting the breeze with him. Hey, I love the car. And by the way, did you guys get that new car wash? put into the dealership. He's like, yeah, Adam, it's been here for four months. You've actually used it. I was like, well, yeah, anyway, great. I saw your daughter out on Thursday. Can I get her phone number? There was a dead silence on the phone. He goes, Adam, I'll let her know you called. Hangs up. And I kept waiting you know, day after day. And I think on the third day, and Vanessa will admit this to you now, she was doing the three-day rule. So she wanted to call me the first day, but waited three days. She ended up calling me went on a date, knew almost immediately that we were supposed to be together. We've been married for, for 20 years. We now have four amazing sons. So we ended up getting married at the Breakers. Now, the life of an entrepreneur is always interesting, but the life of a wife of an entrepreneur can also be very interesting. And as you're riding those waves and, and facing those different challenges or bricks, it's often the people around you that can help you process them. And Vanessa has through all five of my businesses, and we are now in the 22nd house that we have been in since we've been married. She is the first one to say, all right, Adam, where do we need to go next? So she's become a professional packer, a professional interior designer, just even thinking about my style as it is today. So when I met Vanessa, she was modeling in Europe. And I remember when we moved in together after we got married, she went into my closet and she's like, Adam, you have seven of the same shirts, five of the same pairs of pants. So they were all either gray, blue, black, or white. She helped me kind of upgrade my wardrobe, change my hairstyle, and all the things that you see today have been an evolution of Vanessa's influence in my style. And of course, it's not just how I look, but who I am as a person. She's one of always trying to be better, personal development, personal growth. And that has really helped me. I'm that way on the business side, but as a person, emotional IQ, spiritual IQ, she's always been trying to grow in those areas. And that's just continued to make me a better and better person over the time. Even this house of bricks sign that you see behind me, the couch that we have, she has been instrumental in the design and look and feel 
not just in the house of bricks, but in all of my businesses. So she's just been a champion in all of the moves, all of the changes, being on the other side of someone that's pursuing success, that all has to come out somewhere. The things that you're facing, the fears, the doubts, the anxieties. And she is, is currently and always has been my biggest cheerleader, biggest believer in what I'm doing. And if you think that we're not facing challenges with the house of bricks, I'm literally walking through these challenges that I'm telling you to overcome just because I've had previous success does not mean we're not going through challenges in the future. And if you're not facing challenges, you're on your way out. You're either growing in life or you're dying. With growth comes resistance, it comes challenges. And I continue to face those even with what we're doing with the House of Bricks. So I'm a proud father of four amazing sons and just talk to you about the journey of being a father. I remember specifically the birth of my firstborn son. I couldn't wait to name him Adam House Jr. and be the father that I always wanted growing up. And of course, my dad did the best that he could. You know, my parents did the best that they could, but of course, there's always those unmet expectations of fathers. And as I've mentioned before, parents are just kids that grew up and had kids. The older I get, the older my kids get, I see that there's mistakes that I've made in my life. And I hope I'm teaching them that it's, it's not about the person's actions, but it's about their intentions. And my intent is to be a great husband, be a great father. And I have pictures of my boys. I remember uh, my firstborn son, Adam Jr. was born, like walking on the beach and we're like looking into the distance out in Miami. And it, there was just like all this promise that I felt over his life. And I realized like the older he got, the things that I wasn't facing and the challenges that I wasn't overcoming, he was going to inherit. And I think a lot of parents today struggle when their kids become teenagers because they've been in your house for 13 years. So whatever things you're saying, they may be listening, but the things that they're gonna do are the things that they see. So if you're living a life and saying one thing and doing another, well, I can promise you, they're not gonna do what you say, they're gonna do what you do. And so having three teenagers right now, I'm gripped with the, things that I haven't addressed that I'm starting to see in their behavior and the things that they're doing. And it's just in challenging me and encouraging me and inspiring me to be better. And I'm really just obsessed with growth and the growth process. The more wins that I can achieve in my life, the better off their life is going to be. And I'm really, I talked to my boys last night, like I'm not just living for myself. I'm not just living for you but I'm living for your kids and their kids. It's a generational life that I'm living and it's what legacy do I wanna leave? Am I the dad that, wow, my dad had all this potential and oh, my dad achieved this success, but at 45, he just decided I've achieved enough and now I'm just gonna coast through life or am I gonna be obsessed with growth, obsessed with the process, and I'm telling them to pursue their dreams. Well, if I feel called to the House of Bricks movement and to inspire other people, and I don't walk in that potential and fulfill it, 
then they're not going to walk in their potential and fulfill theirs. So if you're a parent of teenagers out there and you feel frustrated, well, the first place you need to look is in the mirror. Are you pursuing your dreams? Are you carrying a brick of a dream that you never pursued with you? And is it affecting you? Your kids are going to do what you do. They're not going to do what you say. Today, I've shared with you a lot about my personal life, tried to be as authentic and transparent as possible. And I really want to close today with what the House of Bricks movement is all about. And certain people in life, you feel like you were given a name for a reason. And I truly believe that my last name is House for this next movement and time and season in my life. God spent 45 years writing my story, and I want to spend the rest of my life telling the story that he's created. And it's not about Adam House and my accomplishments, because there are many people, including guests on this show, that have won a Super Bowl, won an NBA championship, been a Navy SEAL, top keynote speakers, lifestyle medicine doctors, pioneering changes in healthcare. Well, I've had success in my life. I've had a lot of failure, but I really feel called to this next season. I've never been on social media prior to this business. Yes, I've had some accounts, but the one thing I see on social media is everyone's trying to be someone else. And you have your own unique story. And the House of Bricks platform is to help draw that story out of you take your life's experiences, help you build a strong foundation, and for you to use those blueprints to design the house that you were created to build. You are the architect of your own house. That is why I'm doing this podcast. And I can promise you, we are facing challenges every day. So you see the studio, you see the 30-second reel that I post on Instagram. Well, there's a lot of behind the scenes anxiety. There's a lot of behind the scenes doubt. There's a lot of opportunity for me to compromise. Well, I can tell you today that my dreams are not for sale. I have the opportunity to have guests on my show that could increase my audience. I have the opportunity to sell you some gimmick course. Well, Stop scrolling through social media looking for a shortcut. My success was not built on an epiphany, but it was doing the small things every day consistently over time to make a big impact. And I can tell you that the impact I have made to date is nowhere in comparison to the impact I'm going to make for the next couple of decades. So uh, thank you today for joining me on the House of Bricks podcast and listening to my story. My goal is for you not just to listen, but to actually take action, pick up the phone, call the person that you're harboring unforgiveness to, start that business idea, take that dream, put it into action and make progress. And your dream may not come true overnight. And that dream may not come true at all, but that dream may lead to the dream that you were actually created for. And if you're on the verge of 
leaving one season and entering a next. We'll make the decision, close the door on the old season, and don't look back. Step into the new season. Just like a house has different rooms, your life has different seasons. And so once you enter into a new room, close the door, make the most of that season until it's time to move on to the next. So if this episode inspired you, I am asking you to take action and you can help all of us that are a part of the House of Bricks movement by liking this video, sharing this video, sending it to people for them to hear this message, let it inspire them. You never know what ripple effect that one decision, that one person that you share it with can impact thousands. So thank you for joining me on this episode of the House of Bricks podcast, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week.